Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And this is Doug with the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, Season 1, Episode 26, Bottle of Dreams. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by Roy Sallows and directed by Matt Braden. Original air date July 25th, 1988. So we're back with the Season 1 finale of Friday the 13th, the series. Season 1, Episode 26, Bottle of Dreams. The cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki is an Egyptian canopic jar that emits a mist that traps its victims in their worst memories. Had I realized this was going to be a bottle episode and a clip show, we probably could have done two episodes last week. Yeah. I didn't realize until I started watching it. So, before we begin, I did find the Curious Books author on Twitter. Oh, okay. And asked if she was using uncut versions of the episodes. Her name is Elise Wax, if I didn't mention it last week. She did get back to me, and she said, I went off the DVDs. Interesting. I wonder if newer DVD sets are shorter episode length to fit the ever-changing syndication demands. I bought the first run of DVDs. So we certainly don't have the first run of DVDs. Right, that's what I was wondering. Okay. Yeah, so I'll link her tweet to this episode's page. So I'm pretty sure that we don't have the first run. So that might be the issue. Or, as I said last week, I think I did anyway, that she may just know more about the story than we do. And what she wrote was the way she saw what happened. Because I didn't specifically ask her about that scene. I just asked her if she was working from uncut episodes. Mm -hmm. So, and as I've said before, I don't use the book before we record. Because I want our opinions to be our opinions, you know. Right. But I have looked back on it if we've had questions about something or if we have two different opinions about something. Like in the vampire episode, when Frank, and I could be getting his name wrong, took off his cape and I thought he looked like he was a shriveling up and dying vampire. And and remember? And you thought he looked like a werewolf? Yeah. (laughs) And then so I went to the book because I wanted to see what she said. And she said he looked like a gargoyle. So that was no help at all. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, okay. But I think this is the first time I checked the book before we recorded because I kind of figured there was going to be some discussion about that last scene. Mm-hmm. But anyway, just to tell our listeners, I have read most of the episodes after we record, and I do recommend the book to any Friday the 13th series fan. And as always, the link to purchase the book has been and will continue to be on each Friday the 13th episode page. But here's something I didn't notice until I was pulling clips after we recorded. Last week, when they realized what the cradle did and how it went along with the Titanic story, Jack said about the curse, Lewis always has a kind of weird logic. So I don't think it ever occurred to me that Lewis was the one making up the curses. And I think we talked about this once before. I don't think it occurred to us that he was making up the curses. It was just that they were cursed and we didn't know what the curse was going to be. Right. Like they were just random. But when Jack said that, it sounds like Lewis is the one coming up with the curses. Would you take it that way, given what he said? I guess. Yeah, because he came up with this. Yeah, because he said Lewis always has a kind of weird logic. So I took that to mean that Lewis at least came up with this curse. But if he came up with this one, he must have come up with most of them, right? Right. And I don't think that ever occurred to me until just when I was pulling clips. But then this leads to another question. Because we always ask how these people can figure out what the antique does. Like the lantern that finds the treasure, but you have to kill a member of the hunting party to get the treasure. 
So I'm wondering if the artifact is with the person who originally purchased it. Do you think Uncle Lewis told the purchasers about the curses like he did with Debbie? Because mm. it would kind of make sense since we don't know how they figure some of these things out. And we can't say that he's told everybody because some of these antiques are not in the possession of the original person that purchased it. Right. But some of them, like the guy who originally bought the wood chipper, and yes, I'm going to keep bringing that wood chipper up because it was ridiculous. The guy who originally bought it was not affected. And so he didn't know about the curse and wasn't affected. So I'm wondering if he just, I don't know, picks and chooses who he tells. Because some of them, somebody's got to tell you because you would never figure that out, you know? Yeah. So I'm wondering, I mean, just because we don't see him telling people, because we don't see him anymore, pretty much. We just see him once in a while in a flashback. But we do know that he told Debbie. Right. Well, it looks like, to me, it looks like we're going to see Uncle Lewis a little bit more. Yeah, it does. Remember this episode, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember. Like I said, I watched this like 35 years ago. And I only watched it once because I don't think there were reruns or anything. But I never thought we saw Uncle Lewis this many times. But it kind of looks like it. They kind of made it look like it even in this episode. Yeah. So I, that's all the things I was thinking about while I was editing, because I'm still not finished editing last week's. But, um, you know, him telling Debbie. So then I'm wondering, did he tell other people? Which kind of makes sense. Obviously, the ones Mickey and Ryan and Jack sold before they knew everything was cursed, people wouldn't know what they were buying. Right. But I'm wondering if Uncle Lewis made a point of telling at least the original buyers, some of them, about the curses. And it kind of looks that way now. I'm kind of leaning that way. Is that what you're thinking too now? Yeah. 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 So we do have a warehouse connection. Elias Zaru, who plays Rashid in this episode, played Jeff Canning in the episode Resonance. Resonance was one of the earliest episodes in Warehouse. The one with the record player and the people who were robbing banks to make enough money to buy back the rights. Oh, okay. Remember that one? Well, this yeah. guy, Elias Zaru, played the owner of the record company that held the rights to the musician's music. Oh, okay. So that's our only Warehouse connection that I could find. So this episode opens up with Jack in a tuxedo and Ryan and Mickey come down the stairs all dressed up as well, except, you know, Ryan is dressed up as Ryan can be, apparently. But they're not going anywhere. It seems they're just celebrating their luck at being cursed antique hunters. <laughs> Obviously, it's a clip show, but it's also a bottle episode, yeah. which are usually to save money. They don't go out on location. They don't go anywhere. Pretty much, they stay in the same place. So I'm going to imagine this episode was to save money. Usually, you have a clip show way farther, you know, when people don't remember these episodes anymore. Right. Like, we're watching clips of things we've just seen. Right, and like, to me, it wasn't really well thought out. It wasn't, and I would have liked, if we had to watch a clip show, I would have liked it better if the clips were shorter and different. Right. Like, there wasn't even that many clips. It was maybe four or five, I think I wrote them down somewhere in these notes. It wasn't even that many episodes, but they were long clips. Right. Maybe if they took more of the episodes and made shorter clips, it wouldn't have been so boring. Right, and then, what's the guy? The one with the Cupid, and then he was... Okay, it was the guy with the Cupid, but what was the other clip? Oh, come on, I just watched it this morning. Um, it's two clips. It's the same guy, but a different character. And even though you're in two different clips, but you're in the same show. It just like somewhere along the line, you should have separated it, or did I just watch? I don't know. Oh, I see what you're saying. I wasn't sure what you were saying. So you're saying the same actor played two different characters in the clips that they showed. Is that what you're saying? Right, yeah. I didn't notice that. I'll have to... I'm trying to think what clips... Now, were... mm-hmm. He's the one that had the Cupid. Right, I remember him. Because, you know, I kept on going, how do you 
you get sprayed with hot steam, right. you're screaming, but there's nothing burned on your face. Your face is not even red, but you're running around. Right, I remember that. <laughs> Can't remember all the clips now. I know I have them written down, so when we get to it, tell me which one. Um, okay. So as they're having their celebration, a guy comes into the store and gives them a package and says he's there to return it. It belongs to them, and then just says, take it, and leaves. They open it up, and Mickey looks in the manifest. It's an old Egyptian canopic jar. Jack explains that this kind of jar is used to preserve the internal organs of the mummies. That's gross. (laughs) Old Kingdom Egyptian canopic jar. Is that what this could be? That's exactly what it is. They use these to preserve the internal organs of the mummies. All right. That's the easiest we've ever got anything back. Hand delivered, no less. That's funny. I don't remember this entry. There must be hundreds of strange things in there, Jack. You can't remember everything. And no customer's name. Mickey and Ryan go bring it to the vault, but Jack is confused, saying he doesn't remember the entry ever being in the book, and there's no customer listed on the entry. Jack, he's examining the cloth that it's wrapped in, and he looks suspicious. Meanwhile, in the vault, the urn flies out of Ryan's hand, and smoke starts to come out, and the vault and the store begins to shake. So at that point, Jack knows something's wrong. He runs to the vault, but it's too late. Mickey and Ryan are trapped inside. Jack can't get the door open, and he runs back upstairs to call someone named Rashid, while Mickey and Ryan are choking on the smoke and seem to pass out. Then the clips of past antiques begin. Now, the way I was looking at it, I don't know if both of them were seeing all of the clips. It seemed like one clip was Mickey's and one clip was Ryan's. Mm -hmm. Is that what it looked like to you? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I know Mickey has a thing with that doll. When she was in there with Lloyd, she freaked out about that doll. So I had to imagine the doll was her dream. Right. So, and then, you know, the clips start with the little girl attacking her babysitter neighbor with the doll in the first episode. Rashid shows up. And Jack tells him what's happened. Jack tells him that the jar had the Anubis-headed god on it. And Rashid looks worried. And he says it may be too late to do anything. And then we see Uncle Lewis laughing in the mirror. So I looked up Anubis. And Anubis was the Egyptian god of the afterlife and mummification. He helped judge souls after their death. And guided lost souls into the afterlife. So Rashid uses a UV light on the cloth and sees markings. And Rashid tells Jack that there's a legend. That those who breathe the fumes from the jar will experience an epic death where they experience the most horrific events of their lives until their hearts burst. Jack, there is a legend, a translation really, of the glyphs from the temple of Amun-Ra, which describes the fate of those who breathe the fumes from a canopic jar. They are condemned to experience an epic death dream in which they relive the most horrifying experiences of their lives. This nightmare continues over and over and over until the terror causes their hearts to burst. So Rashid and Jack figure out that they only have until midnight to get them out of the vault before they die. (laughs) So back in the vault, we're seeing the clips of the Cupid episode. While Rashid and Jack work on some sort of spell, which doesn't work. Now, I imagine Cupid is Ryan's nightmare. I believe so. Jack asks Rashid to send him into their nightmares. Even though they don't know what will happen to Jack, they decide to do it. Back in the vault, we're at the Scarecrow episode. And then the Tattoo episode. 
And I don't feel like we have to talk about everything we saw in the clips because we already have, unless you see something that's new or that we didn't see the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, no. But I'm, I try to remember which of the episode the guy was in twice. And I'm going, why is he in here? I can't remember if he was in twice yet. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the tattoo. So it's not tattoo, right? And what was the other one? Scarecrow. The Scarecrow. I think there's still more to come, so just tell me if you figure it out. All right. All right. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, we did figure out that they use a lot of the actors twice, but I don't remember this Cupid guy being in another episode, but that doesn't mean anything because I don't remember anything anymore. So tell me when we get to it, if it sounds familiar. Okay. Jack and Rashid work on a spell to get Jack in, and right before Jack drinks the potion, the ghost of Uncle Lewis shows up and says that Mickey and Ryan are paying the price for interfering. He always calls them his niece and nephew. He never says their name. I don't know why that is. I don't know why I find that weird, but I do. So once they die, darkness will take over the store, and the antiques again will wreak havoc on the world. And when they die, Jack will trade places in hell with Lewis, and Lewis will be running the store again. So Rashid throws some glowing ball thing at Lewis, and he vanishes, but he says he'll be back. Jack drinks the potion, and we see that Mickey and Ryan have moved on to Dr. Jack and the scalpel, and then the comic book episode. Comic book. It was a comic book? He's the one that smashed the glass. Was he? Yes, he was. Yeah, I'll look that up. Oh, no, because I know who the guy is who smashed the glass. I, I remember talking about that actor. He was from one of those Stargate, Star... Stargate... Star... Battlestar Galactica, one of those. He was from one of those shows. Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, you sure? I'm pretty sure. Hold on. I'm going to stop recording right now to look it up, because now it's bothering me. Okay. Okay, so the Stargate guy was David Hewitt, and he was the person in the comic book. And I already forgot the name of the guy in the Cupid thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something Forrester, Forrester. But they do resemble each other. And the Cupid guy is in another episode. I do remember that. I don't think we've seen it yet, but he, okay. he is in another episode. So Jack and Rashid continue on with the spell. Rashid says Lewis will do anything to keep Jack from helping. He has to get Mickey and Ryan to turn away from the nightmares and break down the barrier to get them out. Jack enters the dream world and he sees his son Peter in a hospital bed. Lewis tries to convince Jack that he can save his son's soul. So we find out that Jack has a son who died. Jack knows it's a trick and continues his search. It looked like a little bit of a struggle for him, though. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mickey and Ryan are now in the vampire episode. Rashid keeps praying and chanting while Lewis tries to distract him by telling him Jack is dying and that he's next, but Rashid is not having any of it. So Jack finds the barrier while Ryan and Mickey are still in the vampire story. Uncle Lewis tries to talk Jack into changing places with him to save Mickey and Ryan. Rashid knows something is wrong, and he chants louder. It's almost midnight. So we're spending a lot of time in this vampire episode. Why? I don't know. I know. It just seems to go on and on. I thought we were going to see the gargoyle. (laughs) 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 Dying vampire werewolf scene. So once the vampire dies, Ryan and Mickey can hear Jack. So Jack grabs them as the clock begins striking 12. He calls out to Rashid to get them out. But only Jack appears in the circle of candles. Rashid passes out, and Jack runs to the vault. He tries the brick, but the door must have some kind of delayed reaction, because it doesn't open right away. And then all of a sudden, Mickey and Ryan do come out. 
they know something's wrong other than what they'd just gone through. And Jack tells them he saw his son there. And Mickey and Ryan didn't know he had a son. So they let Jack go off to be by himself, and Rashid tells Mickey and Ryan about Peter. Peter was a psychic. He tried to help a girl who was diagnosed as insane because he knew that she was possessed. He learned about the dream plane in one of Jack's books, and the dream plane is exactly where Mickey and Ryan were. Oh. At the beginning when Jack was saying, I have to go in, and Rashid was saying, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. I guess that's why, because that's what happened to his son. That's why they were so concerned that they didn't know what was going to happen, because that's exactly what happened to his son. So he learned about the dream plane. He was only 12, but he was able to break the barrier and enter the girl's mind. But unlike Jack, who had Rashid, he didn't have an anchor on the other side. So I guess Rashid was what was keeping Jack anchored to the undream world plane, you know. Okay, yeah. And Peter did this by himself, and he didn't have somebody anchoring him, so he died. But Rashid does tell them, because Ryan thinks everything's over, and Rashid does tell them that Uncle Louis still wanders the netherworld, and they'll probably have to deal with him again, like you said at the beginning of this episode. And uh, they vow to never let him back as Louis appears in the mirror laughing again. So even though it was a clip show and I found the clips really boring, the story was good, I thought. Yeah. Like I said, I I think maybe they could have made the clip shorter and put different episodes in just so it wasn't so boring watching. I think it would have been nice if they did it like in the second season and then somewhere along the line you're bringing up, bringing up shorter ones, more shorter ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have no idea why they did a clip show unless they were really having, I'm going to see if I could look it up somewhere unless they were having really bad budget issues there's no reason to do a clip show this early on you Mm -hmm. want to do a clip show when people are like oh yeah i remember you know when you forget about all this stuff right you know eureka did a clip show it was probably in the third season and i think it was pretty much so they could remember everything before you know spoilers for anybody who's watching eureka if you haven't gotten a season four before the time change, you know? Right, but when we talk the third season. Right, we're in the third season, and a lot of things in the first season you don't remember until you see the clips, and you're like, oh, I remember those. Exactly, so I don't really know why they would do a clip show this early unless they were out of money or something, because Mm -hmm. it is a bottle episode, too. It's all in the same place. Right. And they normally do that to save money, so I'm going to guess that this was to save money. I don't really know. Yeah. I'm going to look around and see if I find anything online. Or maybe I'll look in the book. Although I don't like to give away... I mean, it's one thing looking at the episode summary, but I don't like to give away all the extras she has in the book. She has a lot of interviews. Oh, okay. So I'll see if I can find it online. I'm not going to look in the book because I don't, I don't want to give away all her extras so people would want to buy the book. Right. Episode summaries are one thing because you've seen the episode, we're summarizing it, you're watching it. That's one thing. But all the extras... So I'll look online and see if I could find something else. It's quite possible there's nothing in there about why they did a clip show. But yeah. I haven't looked yet because it doesn't make a lot of sense. So did you have anything else on this? Did I miss anything? No. Mm-mm. I like the story. The story was okay. Just that, you know, like you said, it would have been nice to have a uh, little shorter clips. And it kind of would have been like, it would have been nice to do a bounce back on each other too. Yeah. But I guess this is showing us that we'll probably see Uncle Lewis again. So now I wonder if we're going to see Peter somehow, too. Ah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I still haven't come upon an episode that I can... Re- <laughs> you know, I watched this. I loved this. Although it was, thirty, like I said, 35 years ago. I don't think there was reruns. Because I, I'm pretty sure this was first-run syndication like they did with Star Trek. 
So I don't think there were reruns. And at that time, they might have sold movies on DVD, but I don't think they had started releasing TV shows on DVD way back then. Video. There was no such thing as DVDs in 1988. So I only watched it through once. But I still haven't come across an episode that I remember. You know, there was a couple like Tattoo and there was another one that I thought was familiar, but I still didn't remember them. It just could be that I just don't remember. (laughs) I didn't remember a lot of Warehouse either. Again, only watched it once, but... (laughs) Well, twice with the podcast, so I don't know. Like I said in an earlier episode, there was one specific scene that I absolutely remember, and I'm not sure when we get to it. There's one thing that I do remember happening, and Mm -hmm. there's one scene that I still have in my head. So I'm wondering if the scene I'm remembering is what I'm remembering that it really happens. (laughs) If that makes sense. It makes sense. So I'll let you know when we get to it. If we get to it, because I could be imagining it. Okay. All right. If you don't have anything else? I don't have anything else. All right. So we're going to take a couple weeks off between seasons, and we'll see you in three weeks for season the beginning of season two. All right. All see right. you then. See you then. Fools, do you think you can stop me? <laughs> okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us in three weeks for season two. Bye now. Bye. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, Provided by Anton Kornienko. Pixabay user 147-98912. Free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.